escape pod 151 March 27th 2008 Today's story Behind the Rules by Stephanie Burgess Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. We're brought to you again by Scott Sigler's thriller Infected in bookstores everywhere April 1st and guaranteed to get under your skin. And once again, by somewhat popular demand, I've got a Geek Dad intro. It's a good time for this because my son Alex just turned three last week. Remember a while ago I was worried that he wasn't talking enough? Well, that's over. It's actually been a very dramatic change to watch. A couple of months ago, well before his birthday, we started thinking and talking about him as three years old because it felt like some line had been crossed. His phrases had become sentences, his questions had become statements, and his demeanor was suddenly not the half-vacant smile of the young toddler who's amused by everything, but the piercing look of a person who knows what you're saying and is thinking hard about how to use this information. That's not to say he's mature and rational. Of course he isn't. He's three. He'll throw his tantrums if he doesn't get the right cookie at the right time, and when he goes hyper, he has the capacity to plan ahead for more damage than ever before. But we've gotten pretty good at saying no. Granted, so is he, but somewhere along the way, we figured out that we are bigger, so we do get to win. It's all worth it, because the most fun I'm having is watching his brain work. This really is my favorite part of fatherhood. He has his imagination, and now he's able to tell us about it. His best friends are the Ghostbusters. Yes, he has seen the movie. We wanted him to be well-grounded in the classics. The polar opposites of his value system are scary and funny, and if something is scary, the Ghostbusters take care of it. His nemesis-slash-scapegoat is the Cookie Monster. If something gets lost or broken, Cookie Monster did it, and Cookie Monster is always under the table or around the corner. As an experiment, I got him a moving, laughing, robotic Cookie Monster toy for his birthday, and hoped it wouldn't freak him out. It didn't scare him, he seemed quite interested, but I watched him calmly tell the toy that he wasn't going to play with it, because Cookie Monster was not his friend. They've had better conversations since then. He blows my mind, watching him learn to reason, to make decisions, to become his own human being. It's not really pride that I feel, it's amazement. He's a universe unto himself, and it's not my job to make him into anything. He'll do that on his own. All Anna and I can do is give him the tools to make a good person out of himself. We're doing our best. We're keeping him isolated from Ghostbusters 2, and we'll have him on the original Star Wars trilogy by the time he's four. So, this week's story is about defining oneself under somewhat more challenging circumstances. We present Behind the Rules by Stephanie Burgess. Miss Burgess is an American living in Yorkshire, England, the lucky woman, and has had over 20 stories published, including several on Escape Pod, Pseudopod, and Podcastle. Her husband, Patrick Samphire, is also a repeat escape artist author. They met each other at the Clarion West Writing Workshop. That's the best example I've ever heard that what happens at Clarion doesn't always stay at Clarion. The story is read for us by my favorite pop culture podcaster, M.A. and P.A., M.A. does the Better Late Than Never podcast, with detailed discussions of movies, anime, books, and best of all, being a geek mom. Oh, and speaking of relationships, two days ago, M.A. was proposed to on Twitter. And she accepted on Twitter. Congratulations to M.A. and Dan. I've got the warm fuzzies breaking out all over. So, everyone take your listening pills. It's story time. 
Behind the Rules by Stephanie Burgess Robert forgot to give me the drugs this morning. I wanted to remind him, but he was in a mood. And I know I'm not supposed to make him feel guilty when he's already lashing himself with self-loathing. A critic said something rude about his exhibition in the newspaper on Sunday, and it's been bothering him ever since. Don't worry, I told him instead, when I brought him coffee in his studio. You're brilliant. The exhibit's brilliant. You know that, and I know that. Why should we have to worry what the critics say? He reached up and squeezed my hand. Thanks, Jackie. I really needed to hear that. But he didn't even smile as he said it. The drugs were more than an hour late by then. I hesitated, watching him set the glass coffee cup down, still full, on the desk. He was already frowning back at the painting on the easel. Do you want me to pose for you? I asked. You could just do a sketch to loosen up. I could be ready in twenty minutes. Not now, Jackie, okay? I just want to be alone. He hunched his shoulders, and I left the room, closing the door on him and his mood. When I don't have the drugs on time, I start to feel shaky, but it's worse to feel like I'm not doing my job right. The first Jackie wrote me out a list of instructions 30 pages long. It contained all her history with Robert in detail. It gave me a list of all the things to say and do when he's hurt or angry or depressed. I think she was the perfect wife. When I think about how hard it is to measure up to her, my stomach feels twitchy. Or maybe that's just another side effect of missing my schedule. I went back to the kitchen and washed the breakfast dishes. It was easy, because Robert hadn't bothered to eat anything for breakfast. It was hard, because my fingers were starting to shiver. I'd been doing this job for three months. It was supposed to get easier with time, not harder. Robert is a simple person, the first Jackie had written. He likes a schedule that he can rely on, and he needs a wife who believes in him so that he can believe in himself. If you believe in him and keep his life running smoothly, he won't give you any trouble. Sometimes I feel that there's a secret buried there, inside, that I could find if I was only smart enough. I came from the best cloning company in the country. We had won 19 prizes in the past 10 years. The first Jackie had paid nearly a million dollars before she died to buy Robert the best replacement available. But on mornings like today, I didn't feel anything like the best. Robert walked into the bedroom only 15 minutes after I'd begun to read, taking me by surprise. Is there any more coffee? he asked. I spilled mine. Of course! I jumped up, dropping the manual. My coffee cup was still half full, but I scooped it up from the bedside table to bring it with me. Just give me a minute, sweetheart. How's... I began, then bit my tongue. Never ask how his work is going, when he's in a mood. How does a trip to the park sound for this afternoon? I asked brightly. Mmm. His voice changed. What's that? He asked. I turned around, already halfway to the door. He was pointing at the instruction manual, which was sitting, forgotten, on the bed. My throat closed up with panic. The instruction manual is bright blue and green, in the company colors, and it doesn't have a title on the front cover. Every graduate of our company gets a manual like that when they begin their assignment. 
Every graduate is warned to keep it secret. Oh, I said, that's nothing. It's just a magazine. You wouldn't like it. But my hands were shaking so much, I nearly dropped my cup. It was the drugs, I told myself. That had to be it. I would never make such a stupid, careless mistake otherwise. I tried to smile casually. Don't worry about that, I said. Just... He was already reaching across the bed and opening the manual. At the first page, he let out a grunt, as if someone had punched him, and he sat down heavily. Please, sweetheart, I said. Don't worry about that. I was just refreshing myself. I clutched my coffee cup, absorbing the heat through the thick, curving glass. I just like to make sure I'm doing a good job. A simple person, Robert read. He laughed, but it sounded painful. Wow, Jackie really knew how to put things, didn't she? I didn't answer. My stomach felt funny. I'm Jackie now. He knows that. Shall I get your coffee now, darling? I asked, but my voice faded as I watched him. Robert was pushing the ball of his hand hard against his forehead as he read. I knew what that motion meant. Jackie had explained it in the manual. It means that Robert is about to explode. Just stay calm and let him work through it. Reassure him when you can. I felt his hurt was roiling around him like a cloud. I could almost see it, black and green like a bruise. If I moved forward, even one step closer, it would envelop me. I thought, this is a hallucination from withdrawal. I made my voice very calm. Can I have my drugs now, Robert, please? He didn't answer. He turned the page. How to respond to a painting you hate, he read. Tell him it's unique and you've never seen anything like it. Jesus! He blinked and looked up at me for a moment. You said that last week, didn't you? I thought you meant it. My voice shivered like my fingers. I think I really need the drugs now. Who the fuck did she think she was, Robert said. A robot? A freak? She thought I was so fragile I needed to be lied to? Robert, I said. Please. The drugs. God, that's exactly it, isn't it, Robert said. Instructions on one freak for another. Thank you so much, Jackie, you bitch. The cup slipped out of my fingers and fell onto the hardwood floor, showering hot coffee across my jeans and shattering into thousands of glass pieces. Something very strange happened at the same time. I fragmented into two pieces. One piece, the solid piece, said what I knew I was supposed to say. It's all right, darling. Don't worry. Everything is going to be just fine. You know you don't mean what you're saying. The other piece, the ghost piece, turned and ran across the broken glass. It wrenched open the door and ran outside, out of the apartment, ignoring Robert when he called her name. It ran down the stairs to the street and all the way down the block, sobbing as it ran. But when I came to myself a few minutes later, it turned out that the ghost piece must have been the real one all along, because there I was, alone in the park, six blocks away from home, with a streak of blood across my thumb and my hair in a mess around my face. I didn't know what to do, so I kept on walking. Old people wandered past me with their dogs, 
not looking at me. A few young boys skated past on skateboards, horsing around and showing off for each other. I thought they should be in school, but I figured that it was just one more thing I didn't understand. It is so hard to start life as an adult. Everyone else gets to learn about the world over years and years of experimentation. I only got a 30-page instruction manual and five months of preparatory training by the company instructors. I never expected that it wouldn't be enough. I walked down the long path through the park, watching the people and the dogs around me. They all moved around each other as smoothly as dancers, nodding and smiling or ignoring each other in patterns I didn't understand. Even the dogs knew the rules of who to bark at and who to greet and how to interact with everyone they met. I walked through the crowd like a ghost, touching nobody, and nobody touched me. I was still crying, a little, but no one seemed to notice. I'd done everything right with Robert in the past two months. It was only in these past few weeks that I'd started making mistakes. If you could call leaving out the instruction manual a mistake and not a disaster. Robert had made a mistake by not giving me the drugs. But I wasn't supposed to mind things like that, because he was an artist and absent-minded. I'd known that from the beginning. I veered out of the way of a jogger coming toward me. But this one didn't pass me. He came to a dead stop, staring. Jacqueline? I blinked at him. I didn't recognize him. That wasn't surprising. I'd barely gone outside without Robert since I'd moved in three months ago. It was too scary to go out by myself, knowing nobody. It felt much safer to stay inside with him. But this man knew me. He reached out and drew his hand down my face where there were still tears. Honey, he said, what's wrong? What are you even doing here? I thought you were going out to the sales this morning. I stepped back fast, out of reach. Robert doesn't like me being touched by other men, and neither do I. Jacqueline, the man asked. I don't know who you are, I said. Jackie had only written down her history with Robert. She hadn't bothered to tell me about anyone else. The man's face turned into a big, astonished O. Oh. Oh, he said. He dropped his hand. Oh my God. Are you? I'm Jackie, I said. I'm Robert Henderson's wife. Oh my God, he said. I'm so sorry. He backed away. You look so much like her. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I just never met a clone before. I mean... I wanted to be friendly, but it was hard. The withdrawal was making my head throb, and my vision was starting to get blurry. How did you know the first Jackie, I asked. He looked around, as if he were searching for help. I'm, he said, then swallowed. His voice sounded choked. I'm Stephen, he said. Stephen? Stephen, he repeated. I'm Jacqueline's husband. My throat felt dry. I don't understand, I said. They didn't tell you. He shook his head. God, I don't know if I should. I mean, she felt so guilty. I thought she wrote everything down in that instruction manual. Man, she was trying so hard to make it up to him. Make up what? 
The dizziness was really strong now. He shoved a hand through his hair. He had black hair, long and much thinner than Robert's curly brown hair. He was shorter than Robert, too. I thought Robert was much better looking. Then I stopped myself. I wasn't even supposed to notice what other men looked like. The instruction manual had told me so. She's really happy now, he said. You should know that, I guess. You really made a difference. I mean, when she commissioned you, it cut her free. She could go after her own happiness, for the first time in years. I don't know what you're talking about, I said. The first Jackie is dead. You do know that, don't you? Dead to Robert, maybe, Stephen said. But it said so in her manual. I guess, he looked away from me. I guess she thought it would make things easier that way. Something strange was happening inside me, pushing up through my chest. She was perfect, I said. My voice sounded very distant to myself, as if someone else were speaking from a long way away. Robert says so, and I read her manual. Yeah, well, Robert never exactly... Stephen cut himself off as he looked over my head. "Uh Uh-oh, he said. I'd better go. Good luck, Jackie. All the best. He averted his face and jogged off. I turned around and saw Robert walking toward me. My chest hurt with all the different emotions inside me. Usually, I felt only one or two. The drugs took care of that. But now, I was glad to see him. And I was hurt. And I was frightened. And for the first time ever, I was starting to feel rage. Robert looked pale. When I turned around to face him, he started running toward me, holding his arms out. Then I met his eyes and he slowed down, lowered his arms, and just walked the rest of the way. I could see the fear in his face. Jackie, Christ, I'm glad I found you. Are you okay? I crossed my arms over my chest. I knew what I was supposed to say. I'm fine, darling. I just needed a little time alone. Are you all right? I'm sorry for being awkward. But nothing came out of my mouth. Look, Robert said. He gave a smile that didn't quite work, and he held out the packet of drugs. I brought these for you. I'm sorry I was late with them today. I reached out my hand. He started to open the packet to take out the two tablets for me, but I snatched the whole box. I thought he might try to fight but he just let them go. I clenched the box in my hands. I looked at him. You're a really good wife, Robert said. I'm sorry I yelled at you. He took a deep breath. I know I can be hard work. I'm sorry. I heard myself say, the first Jackie didn't die. I kept speaking as his face opened up in shock. Tell me why she left. Robert fell back his shoulders hunched. I wanted to reach out and comfort him. Instead, I tightened my hands around the box of drugs and said, I deserve to know. But I don't know, Robert said. Seriously, it's the truth. I thought she was happy. She always acted happy. We were in love and everything was perfect. And then one day she just announced, he bit his lip. She'd already made all the arrangements. She'd commissioned you. 
She had a new apartment, and she wouldn't even tell me where it was. She said she was sorry, but she'd never been happy. But she said it would be just as if she never even left. He reached out to me, just like Stephen had, tracing my face, and I let him. She was right, he said. You're just like her. Her eyes, her hair, her face, her voice. I think I know why she left, I said, and his hand went still against my face. I think she was tired of lying all the time. I think if you lie too much, you start making mistakes. Stupid, obvious mistakes. And then you start to hate yourself. But in the end, you just hate the other person. Robert stared at me. Do you hate me? he asked. Not yet, I said. Do you lie to me a lot? I thought about the instruction manual. I tried to be as honest as I could. I don't know, I said. Is it really a lie if I have to say something, whether I believe in it or not? I think so, Robert said. His voice cracked. Please don't leave me. I stepped back and he let me go. I walked over to the closest trash can. Panic jabbed my stomach, but I forced my hand open and I dropped the packet of drugs inside and heard them thunk against the bottom of the can. It was the sound of all my safety dropping away from me, and I had to grab the side of the can to steady myself against the dizziness and the nausea. I wasn't in any state to go anywhere, but I wasn't about to tell Robert that, no matter what the damn manual said. Will you let me tell the truth if I come back? I asked instead. Robert nodded. Then I'll try to stay, I said, but I won't make any promises. I walked up to him and took his hand in mine. What if I can't help it? Robert asked. Jackie, the first Jackie. She never even asked me to do anything different. What if I don't know how to change? Then I'll help you, I told him. And if it doesn't work, I'll leave. I walked forward, pulling him with me toward home. Tonight, I'll start writing a new instruction manual, I said. It's going to be all about what I really need to be happy. I squeezed his hand reassuringly, hating the sick, scared look on his face. We'll figure it out together. And that was our story. I've come to realize lately that part of succeeding in a relationship is not to hate yourself. Unless you're a clone created by yourself to avoid your own problems. That could be grounds for an exception. Okay, so once again, we're sponsored by Scott Sigler's new novel, Infected, from Crown Books. It occurs to me, I've talked about how great this is for podcast listeners and other podcast writers and the publishing industry, but I haven't talked about the book yet. Here's my 30-second rundown of the premise. If you don't want to hear any spoilers, feel free to skip ahead about 30 seconds. So, there's this microscopic parasite. No one knows where it came from. It grows in you, and it's intelligent. And it drives you insane. Government investigators looking at a string of gruesome murders start to figure this out, and they'll take down anyone they have to to stop an epidemic. Meanwhile, Perry Dossie's a down-and-out ex-football player who gets this terrible itching. He's not just any other victim, though. 
He's a tough, stubborn SOB, and nearly insane already. And even if the enemy's inside his own body, he's not going down without a fight. From there, fun ensues. I love this book. It has a very personal connection to it, a strong sense of character, and sometimes a morbid sense of humor that reminds me a lot of Stephen King, but with somewhat harder science. Anna sat down last week to read the advanced copy that Scott sent us, and she was hooked. She's a tougher critic than I am. Again, the book hits April 1st. If you get this episode before then, be sure to check out the special bonus on our website. I think you'll be happy with what we're giving away. So, we do need to catch up on feedback now. We'll start with EP 146, Edward Bear and the Very Long Walk by Ken Scholes. The reaction to this one was very strong, and almost overwhelmingly positive. We have comments like Swamp, who said, This is one of my all-time favorite stories. Not escape pod stories, but stories in general. And Kale, who said, Wow, that was the cheesiest, most over-the-top, most blatantly emotionally manipulative, deeply moving and affecting story I've heard in a while. Kudos. Many people said the story would stay with them for a while. More than one said they cried. The reaction wasn't universal. Anarchy found she had, quote, acute allergies so strong that she had to whip out the Benadryl. She felt the emotion was over the top, and the language was trite. Atans took issue with it for its very direct reference to Winnie the Pooh. He thinks the story would have stood up fine on its own, but co-opting Milne's work would make anything look poor by comparison. As always, thanks to everyone for their opinions, positive or negative, I have a confession to make. I've never read the Milne books, and I didn't even know that Winnie the Pooh's real name was Edward Bear. I'm certainly going to read them now, and probably to Alex. So thank you. Quote of the week, because I said in the forums it was going to be the quote of the week, comes from Roni, who took a guess at Edward's song. The bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain, to see if he could transmit the life-saving medical data to the four remaining arc ships. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, and I will try never to sing again. All other rights are reserved, but you knew that. If you like this story, please tell a friend or blog about us, and please consider donating via the PayPal link on our site so that we can keep paying our authors. Check out Pseudopod for Horror, buy our CDs on Poddisc, and, hey, Podcastle launches on Tuesday. That's at podcastle.org. You won't want to miss this. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. Our special closing music is I Feel Fantastic by Jonathan Colton. I heard him in Atlanta this weekend. Great, great show. And someday I'll forgive him for getting Neil Diamond stuck in my head. That was our show for this week. Our closing quote comes from Snoopy of Peanuts, written by Charles Schultz. Why can't we get all the people together in the world that we really like and then just stay together? I guess that wouldn't work. Someone would leave. Someone always leaves. Then we would have to say goodbye. I hate goodbyes. I know what I need. I need more hellos. We'll see you again next week. No goodbyes, just have fun. Get up early when the sleeping pill wakes me. I take a wake up pill to fill with energy. I power on hard and I check my messages. But I don't have any messages. I take a driving pill and head to my car. I drive around the because work isn't very far. I call my phone and I check my messages. But I don't have any messages. All I know, driving on drugs feels better when they're prescription. All I know.
I never felt as good as how I do right now Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day When I felt the way that I do right now, right now I feel fantastic And I never felt as good as how I do right now Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day When I felt the way that I do right now, right now, right now Work is anything but quiet these days I try to medicate my concentration haze I can see the day unfold in front of me So I take the stairs and hit the gym The phone is ringing when I get to my desk What was the sting and now a sharp pain in my chest So I take a calm and X and just chill And then it's time for lunch again All I know is work is easy When you don't stress out about deadlines All I know is I take my medicine I always take my medicine Fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think about how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now, right now. I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think about how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now, right now, right now,